This, uh, this talk, through the wonder of technology, we'll have a PowerPoint soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, this talk, it's not on. Okay, one, one day it will have a PowerPoint. It's all good. This talk actually came around from, uh, from my dad's testimony. When Frosty asked me to, uh, to give a talk this camp, I actually, well, we, first we had a lot of prayer, which is good. Um, but it, it came around because my dad gave up and gave his testimony. And part of his testimony is um, he's, he's actually been in for a while, you know, in, not to relate to prison or anything. But um, he's actually had to receive quite a long time ago. It's uh, mid-30s to, to, yeah, he's been in for a while. Um, but part of his testimony is the fact that he, he, at one point in his life, he really wasn't doing anything with the Lord. He, uh, he'd received the Holy Spirit. Good now? Okay, cool. You don't have to listen to me try and yell and break my voice. Alrighty. Although my voice will probably crack anyway. Oh, no, I stuffed it. Alright, cool. Um, so, part of my dad's testimony is the fact that part, part way through his walk, I'm going to say about halfway, he was, he was in there, and one of these other blokes who had fallen away came up to him on a, uh, on a camp, I'm pretty sure it was Kenilworth camp, and he, uh, he started talking to Dad. Dad never mentions the bloke's name, which would be really helpful right about now. But um, he, he's just like, this bloke came up to him and asked him, you know, how are you doing? This, he introduced himself, and Dad introduced himself. The bloke asked him, um, how long have you been spirit-filled for? And Dad felt pretty good about himself. And he said, oh, I've been in for over 10 years, probably about 15 years now. And this bloke just almost fell over. And he said, wow, you must know a lot then. So Gavin, Gavin Price is his name. Thanks, Mitch. It's good to have family in the crowd. <laughs> yeah, so he said, you must know a lot now. Oh, 2019, how are we doing? Um, so he said, you must know a lot, hey. And Dad almost fell over. Like, it hit him like a brick to the face. He'd been in for almost 15 years. And what has he got to show for it? So this talk here, being brilliant at the basics. I just wanted to go through a few points. Don't worry, I've, uh, if you're writing stuff down, I've got the main points up there, make it easy for you. I wanted to go through a few points and a few stages that we go through in our walk, just to try and reset your mind. The start of this year, the year started, surprisingly. Um, a lot of people thought it wouldn't for yet another year since 2012, we just keep going in the same cycle. But um, one of the blokes that gave the talk at Kenilworth Camp up near the sunny coast, he mentioned that 80% of people who start a New Year's resolution actually quit by the end of January. That's it. That's, that's their New Year's resolution done, New Month's resolution pretty much. So I wanted to keep this with you and ask you that when you go on from here tomorrow when you leave or tomorrow after when you leave or whenever you go from this camp, don't drop it. Whatever you've learnt here, I love when people put up little uh, pictures and stuff like that up on the walls. It really helps me. But really, keep this going. Don't just let it drop. Don't let camp be camp and then go back to life. Because I'll try and touch on a few points in here about environment and that as well. So I just wanted to ask you guys to keep that going before I started. Rightio. For those of you guys who don't know me, I'll introduce myself now. My name's Dan. I'm from Brizzy at the moment. I just moved there at the start of the year. Um, I'm a communications officer in the Army. Communicating is my main job. Really struggle with it. So please, bear with me. <laughs> oh. Rightio. Let's go from here. Alrighty, first slide. Receiving the Holy Spirit, Acts 2.38. Let's go to that one, hey? Alright, 
Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and all of your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So this is the main thing. You come along for a bit, you start going to meetings either where someone witnessed to you or you brought up in the fellowship, all that kind of stuff. You start going to meetings and this is pretty much pumped into you from day one. Can I, I want to do a bit of a crowd interaction here. This is not a judgment at all. Can I ask you to raise your right hand if you haven't received the Holy Spirit yet? Yes, that makes my job so much easier. Can I ask you to raise your hand if you've received in the last year or so? One there. Yeah, good. Thanks, brothers. Can I ask you to raise your hand if you've received in the last five years? Nice. We're getting a few more hands here. Last 10. All right, now this one might be a bit controversial. Who's been in for more than 20? Okay, fair enough. That was a lot more than I was expecting. Cool. Thank you, guys. All right. So for the whole time you guys have been in, you guys have heard this scripture. It's part of who we are as a revival fellowship. This is what we preach. But what does it really mean to you guys? Repentance and being baptized here are the two main things you do. (coughs) Told you it's going to happen. The two main things you do before you receive the Holy Spirit. Of course, we all know that's not how some people go. Some people receive and then go the other way. But they're the main steps you get when you're receiving the Holy Spirit. With that, both of those steps are a step of faith. Stopping what you were doing before through the repentance phase and through the baptism phase, leaving what you were behind. Not saying goodbye to it, not giving it a hug, pat on the back and saying, it's all right, I might catch up later, it's all right. Leaving it behind. Dave Hawkeswood here, he he got one of these these scriptures in his talk already. It's the best part about giving one of the final talks in camp. It's pretty much just a rehash. So it's pretty good. 1 Kings 19 verse 19. I've got it up there as a second scripture. It talks about how Elisha, well, Elijah's going through and he's got, to, he's got to pick out Elisha. The Lord's asked him to hand over the reins there or hand over the, hand over the coat essentially. And how it talks about how Elisha left everything behind and didn't keep any of it. For those of you guys who haven't done or didn't do the two by four with Hawkey uh, in it, the scripture goes through and says, not only did he leave it all behind, he actually asked Elijah, hey, do you mind if I go and you know, say goodbye to my family one last time? Elijah says, yep, no worries, good job. So he goes, he doesn't only get rid of it, he kills all of his oxen, he was playing on the field at the time, kills all of his oxen, chops it all up, uses all the tools he had while well, like using the oxen, uses all that for the fire, cooks them all up, gives all the food to his family and all that, and then heads off. That to me speaks pretty loudly. That wasn't a, all right, yep, no worries, Dad, you've got this cow. Uh, yep, Mum, you've got these two. Actually, no, no, no. It was, they're all dead. Chopping them up, we're cooking them up. Everyone eat them, catches later. Sayonara. That's how we need to start acting with our old life. That's the way when you come in, you receive the Holy Spirit from the Lord. That is the way that needs to happen. You can't keep going. You can't hold on to what you were before. You can't hold on and say, it's all right, it's all right. I don't swear that much at home or I don't swear that much at work. It's all right, it'll go away or... You know, I, don't, I drink a little bit on the side, but that's okay. It's, it's manageable. Everything must stop. We'll go through here in a sec. Um, actually, let's go to it now. Galatians 5, 22, verse 26.
Alrighty. Hold up, hold up. Alright, cool. We'll start in verse not 16, actually. 16. So this is where uh, we're going through here. We're talking about walking in the Spirit and some of the things that you leave behind, some of the, the, the mentalities and the actions that you leave behind and the ones that you're moving into. So we'll start in verse 16 here and it'll go, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, for the Spirit is against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. You go down there in verse 19, it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, man, I'm doing well, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, it goes on and on. And he says, Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So that's the kind of stuff we're leaving behind. We've got to leave it behind and keep it there. That's what we're aiming for. Because in verse 22, it starts going through of what the new things are. When you receive God's Holy Spirit, it's inside of you. These things will come more naturally. It's so much easier. I'm so thankful for that, eh? Because it just makes everything so much, so much simpler. But we'll read in verse 22 here. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. All right. Those are the kind of mentalities you start moving to once you've received God's Holy Spirit and becomes a lot easier, as I said, when the Spirit's in you. We'll go through Matthew 20, sorry, Matthew 12, verse 33. It's talking about the Pharisees being... Uh, Okay, I can't read that word. Unparadonable to sin. Man, I need, I need to read this good book, Sam, this dictionary sometimes. All right, verse 33. Either make, either make the tree and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Whether you realize it or not, I struggle with this a lot at work. As I said, communications officer in the army. I'm, uh, I'm in front of the guys all the time. I have 127 blokes that work for me. I'm 23 years old. It's a bit of fun that most of them are older than me. But um, I get up in front of them every single day of the week. Supposed to be there this weekend. We'll see how that goes. Um, (laughs) Considering it's Sunday night. Um, And I get up in front of them. And all they know, they don't see behind the scenes when I'm sitting on the computer for hours and hours up until 8 or 9 o'clock at night or when I go home and work from home. They don't see that. All they see is when I get up in front of them. It's the same in every single workplace. Whenever you interact with someone, whenever you talk with someone, whenever you say hello to someone in the morning just as a passing comment, they notice that. People notice that. I notice that, especially when someone says hello to me. I'm like, oh, hey, what's up? But everyone notices the little things you do. And these, the fruits of the Spirit is what people notice the most. If you're happy all the time, it's part of my mum's testimony. Um, a lot of people at her work ask her why she's so happy. She's a principal. She's got a lot of terrible little kids there. Actually, sorry, lovely little kids, lovely kids. Um, <laughs> I'm sure she keeps telling me. Um, but people ask her all the time at work, what keeps you so happy? And it's a really good testimony for her because then she's able to give her testimony. So people know you by your fruit, by these the fruits of the Spirit. All right, point number one, receiving the Holy Spirit. Slide, please. Point number two, environment and influence. Let's go straight to Matthew 13, verse 1. Shouldn't be too far away. It's a parable of the soils. So I want to talk about this in a way that I really... I've seen it done before, but not too often. It's about where you sow your soil. 
And it goes through here. You can read along if you want. I'm just going to sum it up for you to keep it brief. But the first one is throwing your seeds by the wayside where the birds come and eat. Yet you're going through life. You've just received the Holy Spirit. Things are going really good, or so you think. But you haven't really set a foundation as this camp is. There's the buzzword for you. Haven't set the foundation of where you stand as a person and where you stand as a Christian with God. So when other people at work go, oh, why do you believe that? Or what's, what is that all about? You have nothing. You've got nothing there. You've got nothing to back up saying, oh, well, I believe this scripture or, or this is what's going. You're not setting it. You're not reading. You're not praying. You're not doing anything like that. So the birds, people at work, people on the side of the street, friends, family, whatever you want to call them, pick you apart you and they devour you. Point number two, stony place, where you sow your seeds on a stony place. This is when you're really keen. I knew I received the Holy Spirit because I felt it. I spoke in tongues. That was really cool. Everyone else around me knew I did it because I had this really big, goofy grin. Thing is, sometimes it happens to you and you get really keen really fast. Really, really keen. But again, similar to the first point, you don't have much to go off. And you just want to witness to every living thing and every unliving thing. Like there's a rock there. You want to witness to it. Go for it. You just go nuts. But you have nothing to back it up. You got nothing. Because you're not, again, you're not reading your Bible. You're not praying in the Spirit. All you're doing is just going to church on the Sunday having a bit of prayer there, going through the prayer line, yep, go through the motions. Need to set up this, uh, this, this, yep, need to start praying every day, need to set up the, uh, really good time for a mind blank, guys, really good, need to set up the, um, the setting there. Point number three, thorns that choke them, I'm just going to keep going, right? point number, no, no, sorry, go back, back one. Point number three, stone, the, where, you, where you throw your, sow your seeds on the thorns that choke them. This is where you might have set up a really good, uh, man, I'm really struggling here with this word, eh? Really, really good. You're praying in the morning. You've got your routine. Routine, there you go. Ha <laughs> ha, success. <laughs> really good routine. You've got your routine in the morning. Praying in the morning. You're going to church. You're having some really good study at night before you go to bed or whenever you want to do it. Preferably not, not in the car. Um, reading there, going good. But the people you still stick around influence you so much that it just pulls you away so fast, even though you're starting to do this. Actually, I'll, talk, yeah, I'll continue on that in a bit. And the last point there, number four, those who fell among the good ground, right? Where you're keeping yourself up, you've got your good routine. Yes, what a word. Routine there, praying every morning or every afternoon, keeping your prayer life up. You're reading your Bible a lot. You're keeping it going and you're surrounding yourself in a really good environment, in that good soil. The brothers and sisters here from your home church, around people that need you, and you need them, and it's, oh, hold on, big word, symbiotic relationship. Did I get that right? Close? No, my wife's got a doctorate in chemistry. I try, I try, okay. Um, all right, where both of you work together to achieve really good outcomes. We heard that in Sam's talk, working as a team to help each other, where one plus one equals three. Yep. Um, that was really, really good. That was actually a good analogy. Like, I struggle with maths, but we're doing well. Um, where you do that. But the, keeping in the good ground, keeping those people around you, You'll only ever esteem to be like the people you put around you. Quick side note, my works, as I said, army. There's no, there's, besides Sam, I had no one that was spirit-filled, no one that went to church, and no one that actually gave a damn about what my religion was in Darwin. I've moved to Brizzy, and now there's no one, so we're doing well, Sam. Good job. Um, hopefully you come too next. Uh, but... There is no one there. And I found that really hard. For, I've, I've been in the army for five years now. 
I left home at 17, went straight down to Canberra, lived there for three years, and I, I hated it. I was the biggest struggle in my life. But what it forced me to do was work on my walk, but that was really good. But I still struggled and didn't help myself out because the people I was put around and the people I put around me didn't help. If you don't believe me, you can see my arms. It didn't really help out, did it? So, big point I want to hit home here for this point number two is who you put around you. Do you thinking about putting people around you who really bring you down or go, oh, okay, cool, you believe in the God, yep, cool, that's you, that's your thing, who don't lift you up? Or are you hanging out with youngies? Are you hanging out with the church people? You go on to meetings, whether it be Wednesday night or Tuesday night or whatever day of the week it is, Sunday, as much as you can get to, you're hanging out with the people who will really bring you up, really help you out. All right, point number three. Tried to add all these Gucci photos to try and help. I understand it later, but yeah, cool. Um, we'll switch to Hebrews 5.12. It's a big point. This one here, I want it to hit home. Because I want it... Oh. Man, Josh, I'm trying not to. Know. <sighs> I'm doing well. All right, we'll be right. Woods, it's all right, mate. I'm feeling you. Um, so, as I said at the start, when my dad was asked, "Oh, you've been in for a long time. Like, what have you actually learned?" This little passage here really hits to that. It's talking about spiritual immaturity. It goes through and says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracle of God. You've come to need milk and not solid food. By this stage, a lot of you, if not all of us, a lot, sorry, you was a bad word to use then. A lot of us should be knowing a lot more. A lot of us should be using the spirit a lot more, using the gifts a lot more, doing all this kind of stuff. There's a lot of stuff that's just holding us back. Self-doubt, um, again, Hawks, Hawks were there, you gave a fantastic talk, mate, hit the nail on the head about what you put in your field, whether it be trees of life or trees of God, and what do you focus on if your shed's too big for your yard? This is going to make no sense to people who didn't hear that talk, I just realised that. Um, but what do you fill your life with that really helps you and helps you think about what you should be thinking about? Um, and not, like, just, 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 okay, I'll move on before I stuff that one up. Um, we'll move to Romans 8, 26 verses 28. All right, cool. Setting that routine. So we're going to talk here about from suffering to glory is, is really what's, what's happening in this little passage here from verse 18 onwards. But verse 26 goes, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, Excuse me, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us without, with, with groanings which cannot be uttered. Speaking in the Spirit, speaking in tongues. We don't always know what we should be praying for. I know a lot of us, uh, Dan mentioned it really well this morning, surface prayers. I actually heard, hadn't heard that before. That was really good. Surface prayers, like, yep, Lord, I really want an Xbox. I know that's a really bad 
analogy there, but like I really want to say, oh, you know, like I got a really sore arm from throwing a footy yesterday. Do you mind taking that away? The spirit really just prays for everything else that you're not thinking about. The spirit knows what you need. The spirit knows what everyone around you needs and it'll just pray for you. So when you set up your little routine in the morning and you're going through and you're praying in the morning, make sure you're praying in tongues and make sure you're praying and using the spirit as God's given you because that thing will just work so much better than what you can speak out in English or whatever your native tongue is. I struggle with English. That's, that's what I start off with. But then I move to a lot of just praying in tongues. It's just so much easier and the Lord takes care of it for you and the spirit takes care of it for you. So, Desiring spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 14. We'll switch there. 1 Corinthians 14. Desiring spiritual gifts. It's about prophecy in tongues, this, this chapter here, or the first part of this chapter here, chapter 14. It says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in tongues edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. Edifies the church. Um, it goes back to that first point that I made from Hebrews, immaturity in the spirit. A lot of us have been in for a very long time. And it's to be honest, we all should be aiming to just be prophesying, speaking the spiritual gifts. Everyone's got a member in the body of Christ that we are. Everyone has a different role in this church. But if we all strive to be that one step more, that one step better, it just helps out so much more. And it edifies everyone around you, as you just heard. Not just yourself, it doesn't, like speaking in tongues helps edify yourself, as it says there. But prophesying and, 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 and interpreting and all that kind of stuff just helps everyone else around you as well. So it's something we really should strive for. If you're worried or if you're unsure, if you don't know how to do it, if you don't know what's going on, ask someone. Just talk to someone about it. Talk to a pastor, pull them aside and say, hey, I don't really know what's going on here. Like I've heard it from, like I've been brought up in the fellowship. I've heard it since I was, you know, however tall I was when I was born. But like, it's just, it's one of those things that I really struggled with for a long time and I had no clue what was doing. I was like, is there like a cue? Does God go like, testing, testing, yep, okay, you're on. Like, what, what actually happens there? So, do, if you are struggling, if you need help, ask someone, ask a pastor and just get the help that you need there. James 1, everyone loves this one. James 1 verse 2 to 8. Very popular scripture talks about trials and tribulations, profiting from trials. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let your patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberty and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord and is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. I had a chat with my dad about this one. It's a pretty full-on passage, to, uh, passage towards the end there. I had a chat with my dad and he put it really simply. If you come up to an issue in your life, if you've got to come up say, oh, I don't have a job right now. My last job sucked. I quit that. I don't have a job right now. You're standing there at a wall or what you see as a wall. If you give that 
wholly to God, similar to how you left your old self behind in that first point I was talking about. If you give the whole problem, box it up, send it straight to the Lord and do it without any doubt in your mind, he will turn that wall into a ramp. And I say that because that ramp is then climbable for you. You'll get up that ramp to the next level. There, there will be more walls. That's the whole of life. There'll be walls at every single stage. But soon as you give it to the Lord, that adds another testimony, another arrow to your quiver so that next time you hit a wall, it's possibly similar to the one you had before and you go, oh, sweet, cool, I can tackle this one easy. Another ramp up to the next level, making you stronger spiritually, making you a stronger person and helping get to the, get to the end, which is uh, what well, my closing point is soon. Helping get to the end there. Speaking of which, last slide, please. What's the point? What are we doing this for? It's a really big question amongst um, a lot of people in the world right now. You can see a lot of signs, Bible prophecy, all that. Lord's coming back soon. So what's the point in all this? We'll go to, there you go, James 1 verse 12. Didn't even have to turn a page. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. You stick to it, you set your routine, you go through your daily life, you keep going, you set the right people around you. It's not only people, I should have touched it back in point number two there. It's not only people, music you listen to, your job you're in, things you watch on television, all that stuff spins around in your head whether you know it or not, and it stays in there. So it's like a poison in your mind. But you keep doing it, you keep putting the right people around you, you do all the right stuff, you set your routine in the morning, you set your routine throughout the day of when you're going to pray. I was, um, I was talking to someone before, I've got a really good memory, hey. Um, they were talking about one of the sisters who every time she went to take a drink of water, that set a cue in her mind that she needed to just have a quick prayer there, speaking in tongues. Do that, have a drink of water, keep going. She was aiming to apparently drink about two litres a day, which is pretty good, pretty healthy. I need to probably do that. But she aimed to do that. Setting a routine simple as that can help you so much more in the long run and help set you up for so much more. All right, so aiming for that. I'll finish on this point here. Not everyone's at the same stage you are. If you've learnt more than someone else, you've got more arrows in your quiver than someone else, pass the arrows around. That's why we ask people to get up and give their testimony. People shoot their hand up so fast sometimes, I'm just like, go for it, it's all yours. People struggle, it's, it's, it's a bit hard to look at. We all should be striving to stick our hands straight up because everyone's got something that someone else in the room needs to hear. Everyone's got an arrow that someone else needs to shoot at that wall to make it a ramp to get up to that next level. Don't feel like you're insufficient. God needs you just as much as he needs the next person. Everyone in here is a separate member of the body of Christ, whether it be a pinky finger, a small toe, your right arm, whatever it is. Everyone's got a separate piece of the puzzle to make the picture that God needs. Amen.